Welcome to Main Menu for the week of April 18 to April 24, 2014. I'm your host, David Tanner, and it is very good to have you with us here on Main Menu today. Welcome back if you're a returning listener, and welcome aboard if you're a new listener. We're pleased to have you with us, and hope that you enjoy today's show and get a lot of valuable information about the subjects that we will be discussing today on Main Menu. And we hope you're having a good spring. The weather is kind of interesting throughout the country here in the U.S., and uh, wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying your spring. Hopefully, it's not like what we're having here right now where I am this particular day, and that's snow and lots of it. Well, let's see. We've got to get right on into our show for this week because our presentations are fairly long. So we're going to be starting out with an interview I did recently with Mr. Michael Kern, one of the primary developers for NVDA, Non-Visual Desktop Access Screen Reader. And Michael and I are going to talk about the latest release of NVDA, which just came out in March, and that is NVDA 2014 R1, that's the first release of NVDA for this year, and Michael will be telling us about all of the new features in this release, and he's going to even preview a little bit of what's coming in the release that will be coming out soon in May, and so you'll want to hear all about that and the new things that NVDA can now do that... uh, Maybe you may very well be interested in, particularly if you have a really new computer or you're using Windows 8 or you're using Microsoft Office 2013. Lots of new stuff to hear about. Then we follow that up with an interview from CSUN again, thanks to the fine folks at www.blindbargains.com. We appreciate them letting us re-air this interview that they did recently with Duxbury Systems at the CSUN conference. And they're going to be talking about the new Duxbury 11.2 release that just came out very recently. And there are a lot of neat new features in there. So if you're looking for a good Braille translation software, pay attention. You're listening to one of the best. So that's what's up here today on Main Menu. We're going to get right on into the show. You have a great week, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. And I am very pleased to have with me today Michael Kern, welcoming him back to Main Menu. It's been a while since we've had Michael on. We've just been awfully busy, and uh, but we really wanted to get uh, Michael back on to talk with us. Michael is the uh, founder of NV Access and the co-primary developer of the non-visual desktop access screen reader known uh, to most people as NVDA. And welcome back to Main Menu, Michael. Thanks for having me back again. We'll, um, I guess we'll start off by talking about... Um, uh, NVDA 2014.1, which came out, uh, I believe, at about the beginning of March. Um, I guess it's firstly just worth uh, pointing out again, just for those who uh, may have missed it, I suppose, that we have now gone into 
uh, a slightly tighter release process with releases coming out once every uh, three months. So obviously uh, we started doing this halfway through last year, um, so we only got three releases out because we started halfway through. But um, this year and years to come, as long as we're going, um, we, you should be seeing four releases per year now. And, um, and I guess uh, also because these are timed releases, we're not focusing so much on you know, what, uh, what features will be in this release. Rather, we're focusing on, look, we will be doing four releases a year. We'll get out, uh, you know, what, what's ready. Um, so obviously as developers, we will just continue working on bug fixes and new features and things, but whatever is ready will be in, in the next release. So they should be falling around, usually around February, May, August, and November, but sometimes they're, you know, pushed out by maybe half a month or so, depending on, um, you know whether whether major bugs have been reported in the um, in in the test uh, you know the tests before the release. But anyway, um, some of the major things in 2014.1 worth noting: uh, uh, support for PowerPoint 2013. Uh, so a few releases ago, we added support for Microsoft PowerPoint in general, and um, that was uh, I think um, taken up really well. Everyone seemed to like that, and um, but uh, recently we added support for, for PowerPoint 2013 as well. One little caveat, it doesn't work in PowerPoint 2013 protected view, um, but that's easy enough to, to get around. If you do find yourself opening a document in protected view, you just, I think you need to press F6 to move to the status bar and there's an enable editing button um, and that will get you out of protected view. Um, it's just a technical issue that we can't seem to to get around uh, to do with security because protected view in PowerPoint is very, very stringent. Um, but anyway, yes, you can now view your slides and edit your slides in PowerPoint 2013. Uh, another thing to do with PowerPoint also is that you now can detect if there are hyperlinks when editing uh, the content of PowerPoint slides. Um, so, you know, just, just to double check you have inserted a link or whatever, that will now read as well. Uh, one thing that will be one small change in MVDA but will be probably quite popular is the configurability of when MVDA says there are clickable uh, things on the web. So a lot of the time people may be used to, uh, you know, you're in a web browser and you're reading a web page and it might say clickable and then some text. Um, it says that obviously because that, that text is indeed clickable, but it's obviously not done in the usual way. It's not a link, it's not a button, it's um, the, the web author has actually just put some kind of code in there to say, you know, if the user clicks this text, something should happen. Um, now, MVDA by default does say that it's clickable because it's, we believe it's very important information uh, to know that this text, you know, can be interacted with, but we understand also that there seems to be a lot of it around on the web and some people just don't want to hear it. So now in the document uh, formatting settings, you can uh, turn that off. Um, so that will make it easier for some people to navigate around. Uh, we support uh, more uh, Bluetooth setups for Braille displays. So specifically the WIDCOM Bluetooth stack we now support. Um, I'm not sure if that will affect many people, but for some people um, there are without going into too much detail, there are multiple um, ways you can support Bluetooth on, on Windows and different laptop manufacturers and, you know, things like that seem to like their own way of doing things. So we now support that one as well. So if you previously have been not been able to use any Bluetooth Braille displays uh, in MVDA, uh, perhaps they may work now for you. Uh, 
So on the web, we've made a change. Uh, some people will be familiar with ARIA, uh, which is an accessible, rich internet applications, which is a way of sort of making all these, you know, new modern web uh, applications accessible. Um, MVDA usually, when it finds a dialogue or an application on a web page, it uh, doesn't use browse mode. It, it sort of uses focus mode all the, all the time because, in theory, you know, it's an application. You should treat it like an application, or it's a dialogue. You really should be tapping around it or whatever. But increasingly, people have been complaining about this this uh, way of doing things, and also a lot of web authors have been putting. Uh, I guess you could call it browsable content inside dialogues and things like that. So they'd put really complex tables and things which you can't move around with tab or arrows and things like that. So we've got a fallback mechanism now, which if you are in an application or a dialogue on the web, you can press NVDA space, which will force browse mode on even if it was previously uh, unavailable. So we don't imagine people would be doing that all the time, but it's just a sort of a fallback scenario where... Um, you know, if you really are stuck with a, a dialogue that's been coded wrong or something like that on the web, then that might be able to allow you to navigate it with browse mode. Uh, for those who use Outlook Express or Windows Mail or indeed Windows Live Mail, MVDA can now announce if an email has an attachment when you're in the, the inbox and so forth. Um, that's been something that's been asked for for a very, very long time. And... Um, just took us a rather long time to work out how to do it, but we finally worked it out, so that's there. So it's so something small, but it will affect some people. Uh, we've done a little bit of work on the Java Access Bridge uh, or support for Java Access Bridge lately um, um, because we hadn't really worked on that for a few years. One of the reasons, I guess, being that Java's, you know, it's, it's popular in certain areas, I suppose, in certain workplaces, but it's not, you know, that, uh, I guess, not that popular in the mainstream these days. Um, but there was a particular company that did come to us who had some particular uh, needs. So uh, we made sure we got that in. So the things that we've done is support for, better support for tables in Java applications. So now it does read row and column coordinates and row and column headers. Um, uh, what else was there? Um, better... Better reading when um, controls change their name or value, um, or like you know, where if you check a checkbox, the state will change and things like that. That was a little bit flaky in Java applications. We've gone through and made that much more reliable now. Um, and I'm sure there's a few other things uh, to do with um, when you first open a Java application. Sometimes the initial focus, you know, like you might have landed on a button or something, um, sometimes that didn't read the very first time. Um, and that, that now reads as well. So um, we've cleaned up quite a, quite a little bit uh, here and there in, in Java applications. So that's good. Um, one big change, which in theory doesn't, doesn't affect anyone, but everyone doesn't, doesn't give anyone any new features as such, but everyone should be aware of it. And that is that we upgraded uh, to uh, Visual C++ 2011 when we compile some of our code. Now... This has the advantage for us that we, uh, into the future, can use much more modern coding techniques. Uh, so specifically those interested, we can now start using C++ uh, 2011, which is a particular C++ standard, um, which just you know allows you to write much more efficient code and things like that. So in the long term, it means NVIDIA can be, become better in those areas. Um, but the one drawback which people must be aware of is that 
uh, NVDA will no longer run on operating systems earlier than Windows XP Service Pack 2. Uh, so you must have Service Pack 2 on XP installed for NVDA to run at all. Um, so now, according to our user statistics, there were probably like two people um, not running Service Pack 2. So in theory, it's not going to affect anyone. And really, you know, there's no excuse, really. You should be keeping your, you know, your operating system secure and up to date anyway. And or obviously, to add to that, Microsoft on the, I think it was the 8th of April, I think, um, stopped uh, support for Windows XP completely. So... Um, people really should be upgrading to uh, a newer operating system, you know, such as Windows 7 or 8. Um, but, um, look, this this move to Visual C++ 2011, I think, has been a very long time coming for us. We've not wanted to do it because we didn't want to sort of upset the XP users, but, um, you know, we've, we've really got to move forward into modern technologies and, and um, you know, be able to do modern coding techniques, which will help. Uh, we updated eSpeak, um, our built-in speech synthesizer, to uh, the latest eSpeak version that was available, which was 1.48. Um, that obviously updates many languages and things like that, um, but more importantly, it fixed several crashes. Uh, one uh, in the Farsi language and one in Japanese and Chinese. So particular Japanese or Chinese strings, that, uh, bits of text that were rather long, would crash eSpeak and then crash NVDA and there was no way that we could recover from that. But thankfully that's been fixed in eSpeak, so that's great. Uh, we've done a little bit of work in iTunes. Um, so page loads in iTunes 11 used to be a little bit flaky. Sometimes um, the page wouldn't, like the, our browse mode wouldn't um, reload when you, you know, go to a new page in iTunes, but that's been fixed. That should be a lot better. Um, a few more buttons we're able to get the labels from in iTunes now, um, so there's less unlabeled buttons around. Um, look, there's many other uh, fixes. Oh, there's several fixes in Microsoft Word to do with Braille displays. Um, these are really bug fixes. I mean, um, uh, on a Braille display, sometimes you would see... So if you were in a table, you would see the cell mentioned multiple times. That no longer occurs, which is good. Um, we fixed a few bugs in our configuration profiles, which were added in 2013.3 or point two. I can't actually remember, um, but um, just cleaned that up a bit. Look, there's many other things, and people should go and read the What's New document, which can be found off our download page on mvaccess.org, and um, see exactly what's there, because I may have skipped over a few little you know, minority issues that may affect uh, only certain people. Um, I guess... I can talk a little bit about, because we're obviously sort of halfway through the next release already, um, talk about a few little things that may be in 2014.2. Um, so there's one or two things. Um, when MVDA has to use um, text sort of drawn to the, the display or the, the video card or whatever, so for certain edit controls and things which aren't very accessible out of the box, uh, we now can support text selection in some of those uh, where where standard text selection is used. So that means it has to be using the standard Windows highlight colours. Um, so you might find that some older applications may better support text selection now, but we can't make any promises on which ones, but we've, we've done it. Um, uh, some more fixes for Java applications. Um, so for radio buttons... Um, 
found in Java applications, it now gets the counts like the, you know, X and Y correct, you know, like three to five or whatever. Uh, previously, it was always saying one of one. <laughs> um, so if we fixed that, um, jar, oh, support for keyboard shortcuts in Java applications as well. We now expose those on the controls as well. So, you know, if the, you know, it might have an OK button, Alt plus O, uh, we now actually announce that as well in Java applications. Uh, in browse mode on the web, uh, we support labels for ARIA landmarks. So again, ARIA, Accessible Rich Internet Applications. People will probably be familiar with landmarks now. Most screen readers tend to support them, so that would be something like um, you know, navigation or search or complementary or main. Um, it's now possible that NVDA will pick up the labels for those landmarks as well. So some web authors may choose to provide a label to the landmark um, to just provide a little bit more contextual information to the blind user uh, because sometimes what's actually on the screen might be obvious to a sighted person that it might do a particular thing but to a blind person is not so they can label that and NVDA will pick up the label now. So if you're copying, when you copy text using the, the commands it will um, keep the line breaks in. Previously it was pushing it all onto one line when you pasted it into, you know, wherever you pasted it, notepad or whatever. Um, it keeps the line breaks now. If a, if a dialogue comes up, if NVDA brings up a dialogue, say a message, I don't know, uh, to tell you something failed or something, something very specific to do with NVDA, uh, speech will appropriately be cancelled now. Uh, previously, it'd still be reading the old, you know, whatever it was currently reading before it read the message box, but that's been fixed as well. Um, so that's pretty much all for 2014.2. Um, a few other things worth noting, um, we're currently working on support for uh, Intuit QuickBooks, the accounting software, um, and we're working with a company called My Blind Spot, um, who have been very instrumental in getting Intuit to try and make QuickBooks much more accessible, and I believe My Blind Spot was you know, writing their own JAWS scripts, but they also pulled us in to get us uh, to to you know, write some, some code for MVDA so that MVDA would work with QuickBooks much nicer as well. So that, that work is well underway. And um, if you're interested, take a look at uh, our community site, community.mvda-project.org, and there is a blog post on there noting the QuickBooks support and how you can get in contact with my blind spot um, in order to become a, uh, like a beta tester for the QuickBooks support. Um, so this this is really good because you know obviously there's not much accounting software around really that blind people can use. I mean it, this is changing because now there's a lot more web-based accounting software coming onto the market. But up until now, at least anyway, things such as QuickBooks and in Australia MYOB and other things like that, very very inaccessible pieces of software, and it'd be you know very hard for a blind person to get a job in the accounting field. Um, but with QuickBooks, this should hopefully change. Um, there's still a long way to go, though. Obviously, with QuickBooks 2014, we're going to be able to support this with an NVDA add-on, and you'll get pretty good support. But um, there's a long way to go, and we're really we want to work with Intuit to, uh, or at least give them advice on how they can really improve this in future years and um, make sure that it's going to work with all screen readers and, and even other assistive technology, speech recognition, and things like that. Um, I don't think it's good enough just to look at one particular screen reader. Um, also, just some NV Access related stuff. Uh, we just received a grant from the Nippon Foundation, which is a, a Japanese non-profit uh, 
sort of foundation that um, one of their goals, I guess, is to improve uh, the life of people with disabilities um, and things like that, and they do take an interest in blindness. They have provided us with a grant to hire a general manager, which is going to help us uh, in, you know, getting more funding, uh, setting up a support model, uh, getting some official training materials out and things like that. So a lot of things that we've put on the back burner for a very long time because obviously that Jamie and I, which are the only two employees, were the only two employees of MV Access, uh, you know, we spend all our time uh, developing MVDA and also doing sort of, I guess, the day-to-day management of a, of a charity, MV Access. But now we've got the extra employee, which is really great. Uh, so we've got uh, Gary Baxter. He's, he's got about um, 15 years' experience in the business field and brings a lot more than we ever have to the, the business side of MV Access. So um, I think you're going to see a lot of good, you know, good uh, changes in MV Access soon in regards to you know where we go in regards to support and training and things like that and closing a lot of those gaps. You, you know, obviously MVDA is is a great product for many and many blind individuals choose to use it uh, but we find that there's a lot of blindness organizations or other governments etc which may be reluctant to take up MVDA because there's no maybe not a good enough support mechanism or official training materials etc so we're going to try and somehow change that a little bit whether we offer it ourselves or we you know work with other organizations but we're going to put in much more official par- uh, paths to make sure that that occurs uh, so that's really all from me um, but sure Okay. Well, uh, in listening to what you were have been talking about, I, I had uh, two questions when you started, and then now I got three. So I've been I hadn't really come to mind until just recently uh, when it uh, became something that I kind of needed to uh, start using with the support for Office 2013. Does that also mean that? You would probably it would probably work fine with Office three sixty five. So we have to be clear. So you're uh, I get confused with this in the way that they've marketed this. I assume we're talking just about the the web interface. Is that right? Is that the one where well, you use a web browser? And, well, or, it, not necessarily. Uh, apparently, there is one version of of it that actually downloads to your computer, and you're actually working on your computer and I guess you have a choice you could work on online on on the web on the web page or you could work um, with the copy that's actually been installed on your computer I believe that the copy that's installed on your computer is just Office 2013 um, but it obviously you have a particular license agreement for it so assuming that it is the same software which I'm pretty sure it is yes then any any you know any uh, changes we make for Office 2013 will be uh, you know will make it better f- for you in that regard. Um, the web interface is an entirely different being um, because it's in the web browser. But I've had a quick play with it, and so have some others, and they've been giving us feedback saying that the best, well, at least they they seem to find the best way to use Office 365 on the web at least is to use NVDA and Mozilla Firefox. They seem to be the, the screen reader and the web browser, which go together the best in okay. that particular scenario. Okay. 
that's kind of interesting since it's put out by Microsoft, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the next one would be Jaws and, and Internet Explorer, I think, uh, would be the next one down the line. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's kind of amusing that, it, that, uh, that a Microsoft product works better with somebody else's browser. <laughs> I think it's just about where the web's moving. I mean, they're going right. into a, a web-related space, which, you know, people for six years or so have been doing some wonderful work with web accessibility to do with ARIA and all that kind of stuff. And right. I guess um, it's worth noting, I mean, this won't mean much to, to some people, but um, the W3C, which is the main sort of web standards body, has mm-hmm. just um, ratified uh, ARIA as, as a real full standard, ARIA 1.0. Um, so up until the last six years, it's obviously either been a technical report or just in draft status. And people of uh, web authors have obviously been using ARIA a lot, and, and MVDA has had support for it, and other screen readers have. But now that it's an official standard, I think that's great because it's obviously now something that all web authors, you know, really must comply with, or at least must take into account. Um, it's no longer just your maybe your bigger. You know, we're hoping that it won't be just your big companies and all your accessible companies which will be taking a look at this stuff. This is really a standard, you know, so anyone who cares about web standards at all, um, you know, must be looking at the ARIA standard now. Um, so that's going to mean, you know, hopefully a lot more uh, accessible websites all over. Great. Okay. Well, I think my second question kind of. It kind of goes on from where where we were talking about right now. Um, um, access to Chrome is the, how is that coming along? Uh, look, uh, that's always uh, slowly moving forward. Um, we have uh, been working a little bit harder on that, or at least uh, Jamie, at least uh, as a developer, has been. Um, looking at quite a few, reporting a lot more bugs in, in Google Chrome of late um, because a lot of these, a lot of the reasons we can't use Chrome up till now have really been to do with Google, to be honest, as in um, mm-hmm. they're just, you know, look, it's, it's still a growing, right. you know, it's, it's still an ongoing project for them, at least as far as accessibility right. support. Well, and it's still pretty right new direction. too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Um, but, um, you know, and I think part of that has also been at least for us anyway, as far as NVDA has been concerned and maybe some other screen readers. Um, you know, previously it's been a little bit hard to justify because if you look at the statistics, um, you know, I think it's something like, for the sighted community, it's like something like 20% use Chrome, but mm-hmm. according to that WebAIM survey, it's like 3% for the blind community. Right. Um, so, you know, but it's a chicken and egg situation though. Obviously that's not going to improve unless screen readers, you know, work with... Google to, to, you know, on either side, it's either the screen reader's fault or Google's fault, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's bugs on both sides. So, um, yeah, we're, we're certainly happy to, to work f- further with that. And um, we, we have been doing so. And I think even the NVIDIA 2014.1, I didn't mention them, but there are a few bu- uh, Chrome bugs that we fixed as well. Um, and as I say, we're always reporting new bugs and giving them very detailed information on how they can fix it i mean because as well i think we've covered this before i don't know but as mv access yes we developed the nvda screen reader but we've always wanted to put ourselves forward and i think we have as you know uh trying to improve the accessibility industry as a whole as in if we can provide detailed information that's going to 
help fix an application for all screen readers or all assistive technologies, then you know if, if we have the expertise, we will we'll, we'll do so. We'll share that information. Okay. Um- Going back to, and I was really good, glad to hear that you're working with the people at Intuit, but I'm curious, I'm sure you remember probably back many moons ago, probably more moons than either one of us want to admit to, Intuit's big thing was Quicken. Um, has that improved any as far as accessibility? I know they were there for a while it was, and then when it became unaccessible, it really became unaccessible. Yeah, I really don't have any information at all that I can give you on that whatsoever. Okay. I haven't tested Quicken. I know that. Um, so just just to, to to clarify, Quicken, I guess, is more the personal accounting software right, and made right. for some small businesses, whereas QuickBooks is for pretty much for corporates or for large, you know large businesses, etc. But a lot, a um, lot of, of small and me- medium-sized businesses do use QuickBooks. QuickBooks, yeah. yeah oh, that's yeah. true. And I mean, we used yeah. MV Access for a little while. Right. Then we realized that this was really stupid. How, how can we, as a blind organization, be using inaccessible accounting software? Right. So we, <laughs> so right. we found something else. Um, but obviously, we're, you know, uh, as developers, we're looking at it again, obviously, with this project. But... Um, no, we're, um, there's a lot of, there is a lot of other accessible web-based accounting software now popping up all over, so this sort of cloud-based stuff um, uh, that's, you know, looking promising as well. So, yeah. Okay. And I, I know the last time we talked, we spent a lot of time talking about, uh, or some bit of time talking about the touchscreens. How is that coming with the different touchscreen devices for Windows 8? Uh, we haven't really looked too much specifically at touchscreens in the last few or last release or so. We've been very busy with other things. So we have sort of initial support, which we're, you know, pretty happy with. I mean, we know that future things could be improved, um, but but there were other, you know, fish to fry at the time. But one, one thing, though, it is worth mentioning with Windows 8 uh, that does get fixed in Win- uh, NVIDIA 2014.1 is uh, support for high DPI-aware screens. Um, now, that uh, means that uh, in Windows, uh, there's a... How do I explain it? There's a concept which is DPI, which is dots per inch, and you can change this in Windows based on how big your, your screen is um, or sort of how much detail should be on the screen, so it's sort of like the resolution. And uh, this is... Windows has supported high DPI since Windows 7, but it has never seemed to affect NVDA because most people never owned high DPI-aware screens. But now with Windows 8 and this sort of coming out of many, you know, high-quality tablets and things like that, um, sort of what we're talking about here is sort of the equivalent of Apple's Retina screen. You know, it's like got, right. you know, million, millions of pixels or whatever. Right. Um, but you've got many, many Windows 8 devices now coming out with these, so it's affecting a lot of people. And with the addition of Windows 8.1, uh, they made high DPI even more important, and it's sort of more uh, evasive, uh, more, more, you know, spread out through the operating system. It affects everything now. Uh, NVDA did have to add very specific support for it, so we had to sort of uh, register ourselves as a high DPI-aware application, which meant that we have to 
handle our screen coordinates and things a little bit differently. So from a user's point of view, some people uh, who have been using Windows 8.1 uh, previous to NVDA 2014.1 uh, would have noticed sometimes if they were routing the mouse somewhere, like say to the system tray and trying to click something or maybe even trying to activate a link in Firefox or something, or even Internet Explorer, it would have usually clicked on the wrong place on the page or something like that. Mm, and that's mm -hmm. pretty much to do with high DPI aware. We were getting the wrong coordinates from Windows completely um, because we we weren't sort of aware of the high DPI. But now, because we say we are, Windows gives us the correct stuff and off we go. And it sort of seems to work okay. So that's something that we did do. So anyone running Windows 8 or Windows 8.1, should really be upgrading to NVIDIA 2040.1 if you haven't already, and the experience will be a lot nicer, especially in regards to mouse clicks and things. So, so when I get one of these laptops and new laptops that we at the agency where I work, uh, that we, we've bought for somebody some new, uh, well, the one that comes to mind to, for me, because uh, uh, a lot of what I re recommend is uh, some of the Lenovo ThinkPads. And they come in and there's a resolution of uh, 1900 by 1600. And, uh, well, we won't name the screen readers, but those screen readers can't handle it. <laughs> so you're saying then uh, you could probably handle 1900 by 1600 and just fine. Uh, technically, we can. We have always been able to handle any resolution on, on that that. On that scale, level. When you're talking okay. about the sort of how many pixels by how many right, pixels. It's right. actually, there's another setting in the display settings saying, uh, I can't remember what it's called, like DPI percentage or something. Usually on most older devices it's set at 100, but sometimes you can take it up to 120 or 200. Um, and that that's where it starts to affect NVDA. Uh, that's the high DPI where things are. Okay. Yeah, that will be a problem. But look, on all devices you can change... Even if NVDA didn't support it, you could lower that DPI thing in display settings. It might look very nice on the screen, but it'll rip. Um, you know, so there's always a way around it. But, okay, um, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Um, and uh, I think the last question that I am, am thinking of is, what about uh, some of the, I know like the Internet Explorer that that you find in the start screen in the in the past people have always said that and some of the other apps didn't work all that well with most screen readers are are you finding that still an issue or is that gotten better or uh, uh, at least for NVDA you have to be running an installed copy um, we can't really support uh, that, that immersive Internet Explorer with a portable NVDA due to security reasons uh, in Windows. We just can't get enough information from it um, with an installed copy of NVDA because we, um, uh, without going into too much detail, we have a special certificate and things like that, which you know allows us as an as an assistive technology to to get extra security clearance um, on you know on, on your PC to get to mm -hmm. the you know user interface and things. Mm -hmm. um, so we do need that for Internet Explorer in immersive mode, which is the one you start from the start screen. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you have an installed copy, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's quite usable, really. I mean, I think some people might complain that the some vision-impaired people, I think the address bar is in a different location or something, things like that. So it looks a little different, but I think from a blindness perspective, I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar, you know, as in 
I can't okay. really tell the difference. But, okay. Yeah. But na- but for most things in Windows 8.1, probably a portable copy would work, still work just fine. Mm, not really. Uh, well, okay. yeah, yeah on, on the desktop, yes. As oh, in, so okay. any older desktop app you've got you, that you're used to, but any Metro, well, you can't call it that now, uh, modern UI... Uh, immersive application again the security restrictions hold um, okay so whether that be immersive internet explorer or in fact any of the things the windows app store or uh, whether or you know whatever any of those uh, ones you start from start screen you need to be running an installed copy of nvidia and look we we've always been talking to microsoft about trying to you know solve this issue you know um obviously we understand security and um we're happy to have some kind of security but uh, the major thing that holds us back is that, so I talked about the certificate we need, but that certificate only comes into action in Windows if we, if NVDA is running from inside program files. Um, okay. So if it's running like on a USB key or something, Windows will ignore it. Um, okay. You know, it's another security precaution they put in, but we've been having chats with them about, you know, trying to come up with another solution that's, you know, still secure, but um, mm-hmm. that can allow... Because one of the strengths of NVDA in the past was its portability, but it seems that now with Windows 8.1, yeah, you know, if you're using desktop apps, that's fine, but, you know, if you if you want to use a lot of the modern UI stuff, um, then, no, you really need to be installing it. Okay, okay. Uh, well, I think that was all the questions that I had. I bet there's other people out there saying, saying to themselves, I wish he'd ask this question, but I'm not thinking of it right now. <laughs> but um, um, one of the things I was kind of curious about, just not too long ago, I think there was a big international uh, NVDA or NV Access uh, meeting of some sort. Oh, yes. Yes. So... Um, this was organised by the user community. It really had nothing to do with MV access at all, um, which in theory is a great thing, really, that the users are getting together and mm-hmm. doing this. Um, so it was set up primarily by uh, a guy called Joseph Lee, who is well known in the NVDA add-on community right. um, and things like that. And he also does, I think he does the Korean translation. Um, and he set that up on... Um, uh, they ran it on, I think it was the Team Talk or something, um, and um, it was quite successful. I think they had about, so it was on a, uh, what was it for me, it was a Sunday morning, so it must have been late Saturday evening or something in the US, um, and we had about maybe 40 people or so, so Jamie and I were invited to do sort of like a, a keynote sort of address thing, which was just about, you know, what's new in NVDA and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and then they ran quite a few other sessions themselves, which Jamie and I didn't go to, um, but just about how to create add-ons and, and things like that. So it's a really, um, you know, uh, really uh, strong user community and very well organised by themselves, which is great to see. And I think that it's, it's great because you know one of the, you know, one of the things that I guess from very early days people always used to talk about was you know, well, do you have scripting and all this kind of stuff in NVIDIA? And the answer was always yes. But I think things like JAWS scripting and stuff, just because people were versed in it, you know, there are people, you know, all over the world who were skilled in JAWS scripting. So it was very, you know, it was, you know, well known right, here. Right. You know. um, but I think this, you know, is changing now. I think that NVIDIA add-ons are becoming very uh, popular and well known, and there's a lot of people uh, becoming skilled in that. Um, I mean, look, there's no official certificate as such to, to say you're an add-on 
developer or anything like that. But I mean, maybe that might change in the future. We'll, we'll see where it goes. But certainly the add-on community, there's, there's heaps and heaps of add-ons being developed and, you know, some really useful ones and some not so useful. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's not, you know, that's not our place to say at all. Right, it works right. for a particular user, that's great. They can do it. Right. So, you know, yeah. Well, there's a person, I know NVDA is, um, if I'm understanding right, it's, it's my, mostly, um, isn't it mostly Python or is it, uh, sorry about that, is, is it mostly Python and, and, and would that be true of the add-ons that you'd probably have to know Python or... Uh, that's correct. That is the that is the the language that most of NVDA is written in, and therefore, the the add-ons um, is also Python as well. And look, um, the beauty of NVDA, or uh, I suppose, the one major advantage is that because it speaks the you know the add-ons and the core of NVDA are the same language, mm-hmm. and you know, running in the same thing, you can in theory in an add-on do you know I- anything. You can in theory change the entire you know if you really knew what you're doing and you hacked it you could you know almost change the whole screen reader really because you've got access to pretty much everything but at the same time we understand that that's sometimes a bit daunting for people because there's maybe not as much uh, not as clear you know with certain other scripting apis it's sort of like you've just got these functions and just use these ones you know whereas with nvda anything's possible um so you might have to be a bit more creative but you could be a lot more powerful though if you really have learned it all and yeah, definitely. I mean, you've even got things like, I think there's a Google speech recognition one out there, which can help you a bit with small, I mean, it's probably not enough to, certainly not something you can use to control your computer or whatever, but it's, I guess, an equivalent to, say, dictating on an iPhone with Siri or something, you know, right. press a key, you'll be able to speak a sentence or two in, and then it will, you know, copy it to the clipboard so you can um, put it into your document or whatever. So, you know, it's, there's some cool innovative stuff out there. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I want to really thank you for coming on with us on Main Menu, and I'm sorry it's been a while since we talked to you. <laughs> so, um, did you have any other things that you wanted to talk about going on with MV Access? Or, uh... Uh, no, just to, th- to thank everyone for their support with donations and things. They're very important to us. Um, they allow us to continue doing what we're doing, so please consider to make a donation when you are downloading a video or at any other time. Um, it's um, yeah, we, we do rely on it and that allows us to continue offering NVDA for free to those who need it. Um, I'd also like to, to thank um, all of our uh, current funders. I won't name everyone. Um, some of them choose to rename, uh, rename, uh, remain anonymous, but um, at least we will mention Adobe anyway. Um, they've been great to us over the years and um, they keep us afloat definitely. And I believe one of the one of the chief ways that a person, if they're downloading uh, NVDA, I believe one of the ways they can do that, that um, I know a lot of people find it very convenient, is through PayPal. Yes, that, that's correct. Yeah, which which if you have a PayPal account, that can that can be pretty really convenient for for something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. So we get most of our donations through PayPal, but it's worth mentioning that you can also, if you know, if there are some who don't like PayPal or perhaps uh, PayPal's not available in their country, there are a few, um, you can also do direct bank transfers and okay. that uh, is listed on our page as well. Good. Okay. 
Well, thank you for coming on Main Menu. It's been really good to have you. Um, I, I'm impressed with uh, the new NVDA, just as I am with every release. Uh, you've, you're doing a fantastic job, and I wish you all the best for the, f the future. We'll be looking for the next release in May, and uh, uh, maybe we'll see if we can get you back on uh, shortly after the new release comes out. Sounds good. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, uh, good luck, and keep up the good work. Direct from San Diego, it's BlindBargains.com coverage of CSUN 2014. The biggest names, provocative interviews, and wall-to-wall -wall exhibit hall coverage. Brought to you by the American Foundation for the Blind. Looking for a quick and easy way to take notes at work, school, or home? AccessNote is the new specialized note taker app produced by the American Foundation for the Blind for use on the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch. With AccessNote, users with vision loss can easily take notes, create documents, and access applications on their mobile device. It is designed to be completely accessible, having all the features of a traditional note-taking device and more. Access Note is available for $19.99 in the iTunes App Store. Now, here's JJ Meadow. We're here at TSUN 2014 with Neil Kudiansky. He's the Director of Sales and Marketing for Duxbury. And we're here to talk about the latest version of Duxbury 11.2. Neil, welcome back to Blind Bargains. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks, JJ. So it's been a little bit while since you've had a major release of Duxbury for Windows, but you did just release Duxbury 11.2 in recent weeks. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, the most exciting new thing is 11.2 SR1 is now shipping, so it's even newer. <laughs> um, uh, but 11.2 is uh, a pretty huge product. Uh, the thing I'm proudest of is the support to a student independently to direct six key in their Nimeth into Duxbury, translate it to print math, and print it out as print math. So a student can independently do their math homework in putting Nimeth and hand print math to the teacher that looks just like it would if he wrote it out by hand. This is a computer product. How are you inputting math? Using a Braille display or using the keyboard, the computer keyboard? Or? Uh, actually, using with Duxbury, you can use the computer keyboard. The default is the home row keys, yeah. the FDSJKL, is the six keys of a Braille writer. Okay. And so you literally uh, six key in your math, and you use the uh, return key to go to the next line, etc. Yeah. Okay. So it is computer input as opposed to it, it a, a Braille display. Okay. Yeah. And so... Is there any ambiguities as far as back translation, or is that is that pretty accurate as far as how that works? Uh, it's it's uh, really amazingly accurate. Um, what you do is you you're declaring your Nimeth, and then if you switch into verbiage along with it, you mark it, and then go from there. And, and the test we've been running, it's it's working really really well. Um, it's not good for doing spatial math. So if you're trying to do long division and that sort of stuff, okay. uh, the spacing doesn't quite hold true. But once you get linear, um, it's, it's one of those peculiarities of life. The more complex the mathematics is, the easier it is for us to get it right. <laughs> sure. Also, um, I noticed there's been several new uh, embossers being announced by some of the other vendors around here. I'm assuming you're extending support to include those. Oh, yes. Um, I'm trying to remember what's new now because it's been so... Well, we got the enabling ones right next door. And yeah, we've got the... Co the uh, uh, what is it? The Trident and the... 
Comet. Is it Comet? No. There are two new ones from yep. Enabling. I apologize for the vapor lock in my brain. Um, there's the Cosmo Embosser, uh, which is a new one out of Electronic Brailler. Um, there's the, not quite so new, but the, uh, the one from Index. Uh, there's the Dot and Print from America Thermoform. Um, and there's something else I'm forgetting. Well, hey, you still have your support for the LED 120 or whatever. We still do the LED 120. We can still run a Cramner Brailler if you can find one that's working and figure out how to hook it up to a computer. Yeah, I think you need some. Yeah, there's probably some cables that you would need to convert something to something to something to something to USB. Yeah, I think I think you would. Uh, what else is new in 11.2? Um, 11.2 has a lot of enhancements and improvements. So there's a whole new version of Swift. Uh, which gives you a lot more power and flexibility working with and from Word directly. Um, there's also some, believe it or not, smartphone integration with Duxbury. Um, How does now, that work? I'm just going to drop that bomb and let it sit there. Let people wonder and have to find out on their own. I see. Um, okay. Because I'm... Is there an app? Uh, not yet, but that's um, <laughs> under very active discussion put it that way. I see. Um, okay. Uh, there's also um, for UEB, which of course is coming to the States January 2016 to a yeah. transcriber near you. Um, it's already being used in a lot of countries. It's already built into the program. And we have added three of the learning sequences that are being used in the United Kingdom with UEB or built into the program okay. as well. Um, on the print side, we've made a lot of progress in being able to use variable width fonts um, for displaying in the translated line and printing out an interline print from Duxbury. Um, there's easier support for the BANA formats that became official in 2011. Um, there's so does the, the, the UEB, going back to that for a second, yep. so obviously that's becoming the standard and it makes it a lot easier for back translation. That was one of the big reasons this was done, correct? Uh, that, there were two huge reasons. One was trying to cut out ambiguities right. um, when going from Braille to print or print to Braille. Yep. And two was to try to have a single English Braille code that all English-speaking countries could use. So in other words, North America, United Kingdom, uh Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, etc., could all utilize the same Braille code, right. uh, thereby uh, cutting out a lot of duplication of transcription, hopefully, of various books, um, so making sure. it more efficient. Do you have any thoughts on, on UEB and how it's been implemented, or are you more just interested in the translation? You're going to do whatever is you know, the standard and make sure it's there. Uh, we're going to do whatever, whatever the standards are that tell us. Um, you know, that's, it's not our job to, to uh, design Braille codes. Right. Um, if asked, yes, we will give an opinion. Um, but, you know, UEB is adopted, and so we support it. Um, with Duxbury, even in the U.S., where people still might want to use Nimeth for their math with UEB, we have that ability it's built into the program. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of flexibility uh, and, with Duxbury and with UEB. And, and if people wanted this, especially for their personal use, I mean, you're not going to take out the contracted Braille options, right? No, no, no. We, we don't... <laughs> We don't cut. We don't throw people off the back of the bus, as we like to say. Right. Um, so, so uh, as I like to say, eBay, our current Braille code, 
EBAE, I think, right. um, will still be in, built into DBT. Um, just like we have the old Quebecois Canadian French Braille code, which hasn't been used for years, is still built into DBT as well. Um, we have Moon built into DBT as oh, well. Wow. There you uh, go. That's been in there for years as well. So we really uh, we don't throw people off. Um, we've also added an option in DBT where you can uh, export uh, from DBT uh, to a Microsoft Word file via HTML. Um, so that for some people that'll be uh, a lot more interesting. Um, Any new file formats in 11.2 or? Uh, caught me off guard. I don't think so. You pretty much um, caught up at, you know, a version or two ago with all the word formats and everything else that, that was missing. In, you know, right. I mean, we do DocX and all that. Yeah. We, we don't do PDF, although there are PDF to pick your file format converters out there that are free. Right. Um, but what about the, MathML? Uh, MathML we are currently working on. Okay. Um, Two of the things that will be being added to Dexberry are direct import of EPUB 3 files, um, which you can bring in now, but uh, we want it even cleaner, and also bringing in MathML uh, more cleanly. We've talked for a couple of years now about the development of the Mac version. How's that going? We're making great progress. I actually, um, the Mac version I'm expecting to ship in somewhere between, I'll say by the end of the year, but I'm expecting it much, much, much faster than that. Um, we have a few little fixes to 11.2 to get out, and then it's full speed ahead on the Mac, and um, we're darn close to going to public beta with the Mac, so I expect that within two months at the latest. Have you looked um, at a pricing for that, or is it still uh, in the air? Nothing for external consumption. Um, we're still batting around things. Um, I would not expect it to be very, if any, different than uh, current DBT win pricing. But it's going to be a separate product from the. It is. It is absolutely a second, uh, totally separate product. It's a. It's a native OS X application. Um, you will be able to swap files back and forth between DBT Win and DBT Mac. Sure. Um, and essentially, all of the uh, power of DBT Win will be in DBT Mac, and they will go forward in sync with each other. Okay. I still see references to Megadots on your website. Are you are you still developing that, or where, where is that product set? Uh, Megadots is still for sale. Um, the development on it, it's it's pretty much a mature product at this at this point, and uh, we've taken it about as far as we can. Right. Um, we were not able to work out getting UEB in Megadots, so um, there won't be UEB support. Uh, so that'll kind of built into give Megadots. it a bit of a dead end, probably. It, it it is unfortunately um, part of working with uh, Word and HTML files uh, are to help accommodate uh, people transferring from one program to the other. So we've done a lot more work. There's a whole new Braille template uh, for Word 2010-2013 that's coming out. Um, so for transcribers, especially for power users, uh, they're probably more and more going to be doing everything in Word. Um, sure. Just to utilize the power that's already there um, to do all your formatting, all, even hidden codes, everything in there. So the ones that are still using Megadot, so at some point you're going to 
try to recommend or that get transition them back towards Duxbury? Or um, well, that's we we hope that's what they do. I mean, I, I'm really proud that we've been able to keep uh, Megadox functional, um, especially through Windows Seven and uh, even into Windows Eight um, as much as we have. I, I don't think people realize how much work it is to to take a DOS product. Um, that is as complex as a Braille translation formatting engine that Megadots is um, and keep it functional in these new OSs. Sure. Well, obviously we'll definitely keep following the progress of, of the Mac version and the hmm, mobile app hint. Well, <laughs> I'd say less of a mobile app than a way to, um, to sort of utilize your phone to help you get stuff into DBT in the moment. Like an iPrint? Um, no comment. Um, but um, we'll keep an eye on it. Keep an eye out, and remember to ask me next year about uh, mobile sure. apps, apps. Sounds uh, good. Directly from DBT. Uh, the uh, pricing of the update and how people can get a hold of you. Uh, pricing from the updates, it's really the same. Uh, it varies between zero to three hundred and ninety-five dollars for single-user licenses. It's dependent on when you last purchased your Duxbury. And the easiest way, two easy, easy ways to find out, if you're connected to the web, open your DBT Win, go to the help menu, and click on check for updates. And it is supposed to tell you whether your update is free, and if it's not free, how much it costs. Or just email us. Uh, with say, yeah, let's see if a really, really old version that might not have that. Really, really old version. If it's Windows, it's not going to be more than $395 to right. upgrade it. So, right. And your email address and website? Uh, email address is info, I-N-F-O, at duxis.com. So that's I-N-F-O at D as in Delta, U as in up, X as in X-ray, S as in Sam, Y as in Yankee, S as in Sam.com. And the website, the easiest way to get to us is just uh, duxis.com, and that'll spool you over to our website. Great. Thank you so much as always. Thanks, JJ. It's great to see you here at CSUN. A lot of fun. For more exclusive CSUN coverage, visit www.blindbargains.com or download the Blind Bargains app for your iOS or Android device. Blind Bargains CSUN coverage is presented by the AT Guys. www.atguys.com. This has been another Blind Bargains audio podcast. Visit blindbargains.com for the latest deals, news, and exclusive content. This podcast may not be retransmitted, sold, or reproduced without the express written permission of AT Guys. Copyright 2014. Well, we do want to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week and we'll see you soon here on Main Menu.